Hey everybody, God bless you and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan. I pray that as we close up this three-part series of A Drink at the Well, that you may be blessed by it, that it may encourage and encourage you and sow something deep inside that you would know that God is speaking to you directly and he's waiting upon you to take that step that is needed. In today's message, I talk about how the Samaritan woman has a conversation more in depth with Jesus, where Jesus instructs her to call her husband. And the first thing that she answers is that she has no husband. And the Lord responds back to her and says, you have answered well, which means you have answered right. You've answered correctly. But that was a test that the Lord was doing to see if she was willing to come clean, to see if this woman was willing to express to God and just be herself, be real with her, with her failures, with the problems she's encountered, with her past, with the lifestyle she's lived that has not been honorable. And and she and Jesus, you know, instructs her to go do this. And when he she responds to him, she understands that this man is no other, no ordinary man. He's very different. He is something and somebody that is special because he knows more about her life than she would have ever imagined. As he tells her that she's had five husbands and the one that he is with, that she is with now, is not her husband. But something else happens that the Lord begins to speak and tells and instructs her that if they, she worships, if she is to worship him, that she is to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, in spirit and in truth takes a whole new meaning. And as we go down, as we get into the word, as you listen to today's message, I want you to think about how your worship is to God, how you come to Jesus. How he expects you to speak his language, his love language of worshiping him and coming clean and repenting of ways and things that you, you're not happy of and things that you have not, you know, maybe been successful when you admit to God and you bring it to God and leave no unopened door for him. I know if this message is going to bless you tremendously. I pray that if you have not listened to the other two parts of the series that you go back and listen to those first and then listen to the final one but in the year 2020 i pray that god may bless you tremendously and that this year may be something different don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and let us know drop a comment in there as always thank you for tuning in and may the lord graciously bless you in the name of jesus god bless you this is pastor jonathan Let's read what the word of God says. The book of John chapter 4 verse 17 to 24 says, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are now have, you have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem, that it is a place where we one ought to worship. You worship, Jesus said, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither this one, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will worship in the Father. He says, you will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the jews but verse 23 says but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers can i get someone to say true worshipers when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth 
for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Say to yourself, in spirit and in truth. Look to your neighbor now and tell him, in spirit and in truth. You may have your seats giving glory to God. Pretty powerful message that God spoke. And I, and I contemplated whether I was going to finish out this series this Sunday or I would bring forth this, the, the sermon that I have already begun to prepare for for the year of 2020. But that will be next Sunday. So you don't want to miss next Sunday because I believe that God has a special word for you as well. Um, this scripture talks about this entire chapter. Jesus has been touring on a journey to Galilee. And he's passing through this place where he's not really comfortable. Not that he's not, I wouldn't say that word. Let me take that back. It's not that he's not comfortable. He just rather not do it. Because Jews and Samaritans, just as you may have remembered, they, they don't like each other. They hate each other. Jews see Samaritans as half-breeds, which is like, you're not important. You're, you're, you're only, uh, we're higher than you. You're the scum of the earth. We're not. The Jews see them like this. So he's tired, though. He's fatigued, and, and he sees a well, and a, and, a, and a well that's there that he knows has water, and he stops at the well. And at the same time, when he stops at the well, he speaks to a Samaritan woman, and he has this exchange of a conversation with her. And, and as you know, Samaritans, as I just mentioned, couldn't stand the Jews, but you would never hear, really hear that a, a Jew would be speaking to a Samaritan much more a woman who back in the times when I was not really allowed to speak unless there was a husband present. And even then, the husband would speak for her. So here you have Jesus, who's a Messiah, the, the a saving Christ that he is. And he's there, and he's in a public setting with this Samaritan. And his disciples say, we're going to go look for some food. We'll be right back. We're going into the, into the town, into the city. And, and he, they leave Jesus there. And when they come back, they see Jesus talking to this woman. And they're completely, like, shocked. Like, why would you be talking to her? What, how, it's not even worth it, in their opinion. This Samaritan woman already comes from a background that Jews can't stand in and they hate. She's been outcasted by society because, you know, most of the time women would not go by themselves to do things. They'd go in a group. So she's by herself, which means she's already been asked, outcasted by her own people. Her own people have already said, man, that girl, she, man, she's promiscuous. She, she's like with every guy. She has already had like five husbands. She's a nobody. We don't even want her. But she finds herself talking to a God, talking to Jesus Christ, a God that is in the flesh. And she finds herself talking to him. And he gives her a conversation that she would never, ever forget. Just like you and I. What do you give to a perfect offer to a perfect God that would make us better than anyone else? There is nothing you can offer to a perfect God unless you speak his language. Unless you come to him the way he says to come to him. 
So one of the first things that happens, as we read earlier, is that Jesus explains how he would give her living waters. We read that a few weeks ago. That would be, that would be everlasting life. And then he asked the Samaritan woman a question. Uh, and, and he asked this question with a, with a somewhat of a, a test involved. And he asked her, and he tell, well, he more like demands her to go call her husband. You might think, well, what's so bad about that? The Lord is testing this woman to see if she's willing to be clean, to come clean with her, with him, to be honest, to be truthful. Is she willing to admit her past wasn't the greatest, that her life isn't the greatest, but for a moment God is saying, are you willing to just Give me whatever has been a failure to you. Are you willing to admit failure? Are you willing to stand in your past and say, I made some bad decisions. I, made, I took some wrong paths. God, but only you know. Because he comes to her and he asks her. He tells her, go call your husband. And she says, I, I have no husband. And he says, that's right. You've answered what I wanted you to answer. My point one is you got to come clean to Jesus. You have to come to God and you can't expect to be perfect and come in your little perfect self. And, oh man, I've been praying and I've been reading the Bible. I'm perfect. I'm going to go to a perfect God and try to prove that I'm perfect. Because the reality is, is that the moment you and I become to become, think that we can be perfect is the moment we fall. We're not perfect people, but we serve a perfect God. But one thing that God does require is not for us to language. Come speak my language. Come worship me in spirit and in truth. The word truth is, is something that we know it to be the truth, to be certain, to be valid, to be built upon something. And Jesus tells her, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. But she answers because she's willing to be honest at this moment with this man that is before her. He tells her something that only somebody who knew her would know, sister. Only somebody who knows, somebody who knows who you are in those moments when no one can see you. She tells him something, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right, because you've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now, he's not your husband. Now, most of us in our religious mindset would have said, you're done. You're out of here. Five husbands? Holy smokes. What have you been doing? And the guy that you're with right now is not your husband? Oh, my gosh. Like, girl, look, please, please, for everyone's sake, don't get married anymore. Right? Because that's how we think sometimes. But Jesus didn't. He took the chance he took that chance and said, I'm going to have a conversation with this woman. I'm going to test her to see if she's hungry for something different. If she's hungry for a change in her life. 
I want to deep dig. I want to dive deep into to her heart and into her past and see if she is willing to come clean. Because when you come to Jesus, one thing that God says you have to do is you got to come clean. You got to be real with God and say, man, God, just the other day I was doing this and I shouldn't have been doing that. Just the other day I was supposed to be a Christian and I gave a wrong Christian example. God, but I know that if I come to you, you'll take whatever mess I have and you'll give me a message through it. Why is it important that the Lord tells us she has to come clean? He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you're going to go through when you, before you go through it. And all God says is, are you willing to trust that I know you already? Are you willing to give and be honest with me so that I can start doing something new in your life for the year of 2020? Because if you come and you hold on to something that you should be giving to God, he cannot work in that area. In his approach to asking her to call her husband, it was a test. And, and I believe she passed her test because she was honest with him. She didn't lie to him. And, and, when she, and, and anytime you come into God's presence, don't lie to God. Just be real. Just be who you are. You know, I, I will say something that my pastoral, as, as a pastor, I have, I've been, the enemy has used a lot of different things on the outside to attack my character, to attack what I represent. And, and I get a lot of comments that I hear around the road and around the bushes that, that I judge people, that we judge here at this church, that we don't accept people for who they are. And, and I'm like, that's not the truth. Because I know the truth. And my Bible says that my truth is in here. So let's just get logical on this. If, my, if I'm supposed to be truthful and worship him in spirit and truth, and the truth is this, then what's in here is the truth. And if I preach something that is in here, then I am preaching the truth. Like they attack you and they attack your character. But what I will say is that we will stand on the word of God as the truth. Hallelujah. Because that's God's love language. You worship him in spirit and in truth. To be truthful, that, that means you must understand that God is the ultimate healer. That God is the restorer. When you go pray for somebody, you understand that when you begin to pray, you're believing in something that's going to be true. You're not saying, one day I prayed that God does this, and I don't know if he's going to do it, but I'm going to pray. No, we believe what we pray for, because otherwise we won't pray for it. Amen? You can be whoever you want. As long as your life is serving Christ, there are things in your life that God is going to say you need to do away with. You need to do away with this. You need to cut this part of the fat out. You need to cut that part of the fat out. When you begin to work out and exercise, do you not start cutting down things that you're supposed to be eating? It's the same way with the word of God and our walk with Christ. There are certain things that are going to make people feel a little uncomfortable and, are you judging me? No, God is just shaping you. This woman comes to God, well, as at the moment has a conversation, and he begins to talk to the Samaritan woman. 
And when you come into God's presence and his presence and you come in honest and, and you come in as yourself, just you and him at the well, things begin to happen. Because the devil will tell you you're never going to be worth it. You deserve to be in that situation you're in. You deserve to have to deal with that. You deserve to have to live like that. You have to go to alcohol. You have to go to drugs. You have to go to promiscuity, whatever that's called. You have to go through all that because the devil lies to you and tells you that's how you, you, you get yourself and find yourself. That's a lie. Because my Bible says that the devil's job is to seek, steal, kill, and destroy. Steal. Steals your joy. Steals your worth, value, your value. Those, those prostitutes that are out on the street, they've lost the value for themselves. Because men has made, have made them feel that they're nothing. So they go and give themselves to men after men after man after man. And even women. Because they don't realize that God is saying, I, you are worth everything the way exactly you are right now. You are worth precious diamonds to me. And more. Why do I say that? Because he gave a Samaritan woman who had nothing to give. He gave her a chance and said, do you want to drink from eternal waters? Waters that would never make you thirsty ever again? I, I do, God, I do. Then let me ask you a question. Go, or let me tell you, go call your husband. The only difference between us and them out there is that we have a walk with Christ that continues. That we have mercy. We have mercy and grace. We're humans just like them. But I believe that when you come to God, and I'm teaching you something today, that when you come to God and you begin to come clean with God, you must come to him and you must come with repentance, which means you must come with the mindset of, man, God, I'm coming imperfect to a perfect God. And I need your perfection to make me better. I need to change my ways, whether I've been in church for 15, 16 years, whether I've been in church for only a few months. You, you come to God saying, whatever is broken, God, I need it fixed. And I'm not afraid to tell you where the leaks are, God. I'm not afraid to give you certain rooms that I've never let anyone in. Because I know those rooms are dark and they hurt. But I trust you, God. To know that when I walk with you, you will walk me into the room and the lightness that is inside of you will begin to shine in the dark places. Hallelujah. Can you hear me today, church? They that worship him must worship in truth. Hallelujah. You must come clean. You must come ready to, be, to receive a change. Repent. To turn away from an old life. To turn. That's like saying God only works half. He's only 50% effective. When I know my God says, whom the Son has, he has set free is free indeed. Which means once God frees you, you're free. Unless, God, can I go back to that, that place over there, please? No. Come on, God. I'm going to do it anyways. This is why I say when you come forward to God and you come to pray... Or you pray in your moments, you have to be true. You have to be sincere. Because that's what God requires. That's what he wants from you. 
doesn't want you to sit there and recite 10 Hail Marys and pray to the St. James and St. John's. And uh, God's like, that's never been a part of my life, uh, of Christ's life. And and he he doesn't require you to say anything special besides just to say, hey, (laughs) it's me, your child. Dad, we need to talk. There's some things I need to tell you about. Point number two, God says that you must worship him in spirit. The next portion of scripture that we've been talking, that we read, describes how the Lord has a conversation about worshiping. Now, let me just take you on a different path now. We've gone to the truth. We have an idea of coming clean and repenting. Worshiping in spirit is special to God. This is why when we sing a song and we're praying and we're singing or we're playing an instrument, we're like, we feel it and we feel like, oh, man, that just, I can feel God. Because it steps you out of a comfort zone. Because it steps you out of, a, 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 of what we're normally used to doing, just standing there listening. This time you're starting to feel the words. And you're starting to think about how he loves, how he loves me so, you know, and having a reckless love for me. And, 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 and you know, nothing is impossible for God. And, and you're like, I can relate to that. And then you begin to feel his presence. And then your heart starts reaching out. Because the Israelites, at crucial battle moments, especially at the wall of Jericho, what do they do? They walked around worshiping and praising. They knew how to grab the attention of God. Don't believe me? When Paul and Silas was locked up in jail, what were they doing? They were singing songs to the Lord. They were in jail. These were people that had been beat they had been imprisoned. They had stocks, which means they couldn't move from their, their, the area that they were in. They were in a dark area, but yet they were still worshiping. I'm going back to a heart of worship where it's not about me, but it's all about him. I believe they, they had some song that was like that, hallelujah, that was saying, God, it's not about me being in this jail cell. God, it's not about me being in my circumstances right now. God, it's not about what I want anymore, God. It's not about the problems I have, God. It's not about where the devil has taken me, God. It's about you. And in this moment, right now in the year of 2020, my life may be a mess, but I will worship you in spirit and in truth. Because I know that once you get to me, God, you're going to do some things in my life that no one can ever do. My life will have purpose. My life will be victorious. I will not be struggling financially anymore. I will not be struggling. Love me for me to feel love from an almighty God. I hope someone out there is listening because I believe that God has given somebody some word today. I believe that God is speaking to someone today that needs to know they're loved more than any man can ever love them. That are loved more than any woman can ever love them. They're loved more because they come and they worship in that moment. And they say, you know, I can't do anything but just lift my hands to Jesus and tell you, thank you, God, for what I've gone through. And the devil's like, what in the world is this this person talking about? How can they worship? I've. Amen. I've taken things from them. I've destroyed their relationships. I've I've, I've put a, a big old barrier, and yet they still worship you, Jesus. 
And the devil's confused. He's like, this isn't going as planned. But worship is precious to God. Because the more you worship, the more you acknowledge that he is greater. The more you worship, the more you closer you get to him, the more he says, come here, let me just, let me just love you. And you're like, no, God, I'm too bad. Come on, I'm going to love you anyways. No, God, I've done this. Come on, I'm going to love you anyways. God, people say this. It doesn't matter what they say. I'm going to love you anyways. Come on, come on, come closer to me. Come closer to me. Don't worry about the voice that you hear in the background. And you get into his presence, and the more you come to him, the more you begin to fall on your knees, and you begin to feel your heart start to crumble, and you begin to feel, feel tears coming down your face, and you don't understand why, but you know that you're in his presence. And nothing else matters in that moment. It is about worshiping him. And you notice that the examples that I provided as Paul and God, they didn't do it alone. There is power when people come together like you and I, you, me and you. And, and, and when we come together and, and we come and we come to worship God, there's a power that is, is magnified. I'm not saying that you cannot worship God by yourself because you definitely can. But what I am saying is that when we worship together, God's presence is magnified. It's like you're taking your best, 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 and you're bringing it all together. And you're saying, here we go, God. This is to you. And God says, oh, I love it. Come on, keep on with it. Let me take it. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm working some things in you you don't even know. When you come to the altar, the reason why we, just so you all know, why we open up the altar, it's a form of surrender to God. Because your body probably tells you, I don't want to go up there. People are going to see me. I don't want to go up there and cry because I got to be tough. I don't like to cry. No one's ever seen me cry. Or no one's ever touched my life. And, and I don't want to give in. I don't feel like I have to do anything different besides just come to church. But when I open up the altar and you come to this place and you come, you take that step. You've already started the first step of surrendering. Your heart should already be prepared. And for most of us, you know, and, and, and it's okay to be real. Can I, I can be real and have some real conversations with us. Sometimes the only time that God gets is right before the service. Which means the only time that you start thinking about God and his presence and worshiping him is when you're in the car, in the truck, coming around right at that end over there. Then you're like, okay, I get to go to church. Because the night before, we're doing everything and anything else. Why not start early? Why not start the night before and say, man, I can't wait to see what God has tomorrow. Whether it be Pastor Jonathan preaching or someone else preaching, you're still going to get a word if you come hungry. You come to worship God, which means you surrender to God, which means you're truthful to God, and, and, and which means you come with a heart that's already prepared so that God doesn't have to get the, what do they call those things, the, those jewels that they put on there that they shock people with when they're dying? Yeah, defibrillators. You, you know what? So it's the last thing, the last option before they die. They have to jumpstart the heart. 
Some of us come into this place with that type of worship where you're like, God, you're going to have to wake me up out of the dead because I've been, I've been dead for a while. God, I'm not going to worship anybody right now. You better put those defibrillators on me and hit those joints and hit, and hit me right on my chest because that's the only way I'm going to worship. To a God that died for us. There's a Facebook post that's going around. I, I need to get it. It talks about what they believe the way Jesus Christ was crucified and how they nailed the things into his, his hands. People think that it was done through here. They believe that it was done in here. And they believe that they say that they scientists and whoever did the research believes that, that they did that because the Romans were very smart. But most importantly, the devil made it as bad as he could for Jesus. And he did it because there was a nerve that would shoot down and disable the shoulder. So the body literally had to hang by the shoulder the, from this part up of the strength of the, of the person. So in other words, instead of them being able to use their arms to pick themselves up, they had to use their entire body to just... We have animal activists <laughs> that get mad just because you leave a dog outside in the cold. But our Lord has suffered. And I'm not going to go off track on this, but I need you to know something. That when you come to the Lord, your heart should be ready. God, <laughs> I don't have much to say. God says, that's okay. But I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just close your eyes and start thanking me. But God, how can I? Just do it. And then you start, thank you, Jesus. And you're like, whoa, something is happening. And then you're like, and then you feel tears. You're like, I got to fight this back. And the more you fight the tears back, the more they just keep coming out. And you're like, what is happening, God? And God says, I'm having a conversation with your spirit. Things that you don't even know, your spirit starts talking for you. I'll get to that here in just a bit. When we worship, we bring something that is, when we come, we bring a selfless act. And I don't say, I'm not saying selfish, selfless about how great he is. Amen? About how he loves. About how he magnifies. About how he is the faithful one. About how he is the restorer. About how he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You see, worship doesn't start when the praise team starts. It's not the praise team's job, the worship team's job to jumpstart you. You got to come ready. You got to be singing. Sister, I know, I know you do this. You're probably cleaning up around the house, singing an old song that just gives glory to God. And, man, I can't wait to get to church. I'm going to worship sweeping. I'm going to worship, you know, sitting down, talking to my family. I'm going to worship for a little bit. But I know it's coming where I get to worship my Lord. The word of God says, listen to this. I want you to take this away. I, I need you to get this because this is important for you to understand why I say it's not a complicated issue to, see, to, to pray. When the word of God says in the book of eight, Romans 8.26, listen very carefully. The, spirit of God say, the word of God says, likewise, the spirit, we know the spirit is Jesus, also helps in our weaknesses. Did it say strength? weaknesses and then it says for we do not know what we should pray as we ought as we should in other words but the spirit himself makes intercession what he's saying there is the spirit of god already starts speaking on your behalf get this with groanings that cannot be uttered 
That is the most mind-blowing scripture. Utter or moan about or even go like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a deeper one, sister. It's something that is deeper that your spirit is already doing it just by you being here before the presence of God. And, it's, and he's already working and it's speaking on before you even say a word. Before you even go, it's already happening. The spirit of God that lives in you, this is what does that for you. That is powerful because your flesh will go on. One of these days, our flesh will die. We'll be six feet under in a grave until our, the flesh deteriorates and then it turns to bones. But our spirit either goes with its creator, which is God, or it goes to the place known as hell. There's just no easier way to put it. It's there. You don't always have to have the right things to say to God but your, because your spirit will do this for you. But your job, if you can catch anything I'm saying today, is to come to God and say, God, if you require me to worship you in spirit and in truth, I'm going to come to you already knowing that you know who I am. You just need to hear it from me that I'm willing to admit my failures, my past, my struggles, my, my issues I have. You're, I'm willing to admit it, God. Amen? When you worship in the spirit, when you worship, you bring something to God. It, you know, I, I think about it, and the Lord has given me some thoughts. It's very similar to when, when you have, let's say, that person, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, or, you know, and you put perfume or cologne on. You know, if you're a man, you put cologne on someone, you put perfume, and you put it on. Why? Because you want to smell good want to smell good so that when your husband or your wife gives you, you know, hugs you and kisses you or holds you or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you, you, you feel that just, man, you smell great. I believe that when we bring a repentant heart, it's like cologne or perfume to the Lord. I believe he smells and he's like, somebody smells good around here. Who is it? Oh, it's right here. This, this She's pouring her heart out to me. She's not holding it back. She's not trying to be different. She's not trying to, trying to, you know, not surrender. She's surrendering. Let us stand. When you come to God, you must engage your whole heart. You can't give God part time of yourself. You can't say, I only give God 25%. you got to give it all to God. We just learned today that your spirit inside says, already speaks things that you don't even know. And it's already speaking before you can even say, God. How powerful was that? All God says is, you come to me. Have a real talk with me. Repent of those ways. If there's something you don't like about yourself... Let God change it. You have a purpose. Worshiping in truth means that you understand that God and everything he's done for us is ultimate the truth. Ultimately the truth. That when you come, you believe that, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to just pour out my, my, my life to God. Because I guarantee you, if you and I, 
if we had a talk about some things that just happened last week or the week before, it'd probably be a mess because we all have problems. They're not going anywhere. But you can be refilled by God. You don't have to go through those things by yourself. So I'll tell you this. Now today you have the choice. Will you take a drink from the well of God? Will you take a drink from today and say, God, I need a filling of the spirit of God. I need to be filled today. I need something different, God. 2020 has to be different, God. God is willing and he's ready. So I will open up this altar.